0: Together, uh, God, you are great. Great in so many ways. Lord, you are the creator, the one who has made this universe. You are the redeemer. You sent your one and only son, Jesus, and you have also sent your Holy Spirit. To fill our hearts, to fill our minds, to fill our lives, that we would be conformed into the image of Christ. That would be more like Jesus. And the way that we live. And Lord the way you work by your Holy Spirit is through your word. So we open your word today. We read your word and we we look deeply into your word today. To try to understand uh, through your Holy Spirit. What you are calling us to uh, as a congregation. And what you are calling us to as individuals. So Lord I pray that you would give us open hearts. That you would give us open hearts to receive everything that you have for us. Today, that your Holy Spirit would do the work that you promised to do in your word. We thank you that you're present here already, that you're in our midst. We praise you for your greatness, for your goodness, for your love, for your compassion, for every attribute that is true of you. We give to you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe, well, let's remain standing, remain standing for the reading of God's word. Today we're reading from Romans chapter 13, 8 through 14. And here, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the believers in the ancient, Romans, the ancient city of Rome He says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Here is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Apostle Paul wrote, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So to love others is to fulfill the law. The commandments... The Ten Commandments reflect God's holy nature to us. So the commandments are a reflection of His holiness. And we are called to obey God's commandments. And how can we summarize each and every one of the commandments? We summarize the commandments with one word. What is that word? Love. So the commandments not only reflect God's holy nature... The commandments also teach us how to love God and how to love our neighbor, how to love other people. So we summarize the commandments with that one word, love. And the commandments are all about loving God and loving others. And as Christians, we are called to obey the commandments. But with the commandments, there are two sides to the coin. There is a, there's a positive side to the commandments and then there's a negative side. To the commandments. The negative is that part of the commandment that says no. we are not allowed to do this. But with every commandment there's also a positive side. Something that we are called to do. To show our love to God. To show our love to our neighbor. So in other words, each commandment, in each commandment, there are things that we are to say no to, and there are things that we are to say yes to. There are things that we are not to do, and there are things that we are called to do. And the, the negative is easy to understand, right? For example, the commandment says, thou shall not steal. And I think that we all understand that, that we are to avoid thievery. We're not to take what belongs to another. But many people believe that they have obeyed the commandment, thou shall not steal, simply by avoiding thievery. But remember, with each commandment, there's a negative, thou shall not. But with every commandment, there's also a positive, something that we are called to do. So there's much more to the commandments than the No. There's also a positive side. And we're held accountable. Yeah. Here's the thing. We're held accountable to both the negative side of the law and the positive side of the law. That's why we, when we confess our sins, we confess not only what we have done, but what we have left undone. Amen. And Luther's small catechism helps us to understand. For example, the commandment Thou shalt not steal. Luther asked the question, what does this mean? Well, Luther says in his explanation of this commandment that we should fear and love God. And that's really what obedience to all the commandments is about. It's about fearing and loving God. So we should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions. So we get that, right? We were taught that since we were little kids. We should not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way. So that is the negative side of the commandment, what we are not to do. But here's the positive. But we are to help him. Help him. Help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. So not only are we called to avoid certain sins, but we're also called to action in our Christian lives. And that is that when we see our neighbor in need, we would do something about it. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus takes us on a trip into the future. Jesus takes us to the final day of judgment. Final day of judgment, we're going to give an account for what we have done and what we have left undone. One day, you will stand before the judge of all creation. I love this passage. This is a passage that a lot of preachers avoid, I think. (laughs) And I I like it because we, we, we all get, I don't know, Makes me feel guilty. Yeah, Verse 41. I don't think anybody gets off the hook with this. So verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left. This is on the day of judgment. When we stand before the judgment throne of God. Then he, that is God, will say to those on his left. Depart from me, you who are cursed. Into the eternal fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry. And you gave me nothing to eat. All right, this helps us to understand the commandment, Thou shalt not steal, and the commandment, Thou shalt not murder. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And then on that day, they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, for one of the least of these you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Let that sink in. Reflect upon your life. And as you reflect upon the commandments, there's both the, the thing that we're to avoid, thou shalt not, we get that. But with every commandment, there's also a positive, that which we are to do in obedience to God, to help our neighbor, to love our neighbor. Why do we live this way? Why do we live as those who not only avoid certain things and then strive to do certain things? Why do we live this way? Why do we love God and our neighbor, not just in words, but in action? Why is it that we not only refrain from evil, but we do good works for the benefit of others? Well, the answer is because God first loved us. He first, he wasn't passive. God took action. 1 John 4, 10 and 12 says, This is love. Not that we love God, and that's where I'm at, Lord. Lord, I don't love you the way I should. But that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I'm concerned for the welfare of my neighbor because God was concerned for my welfare. He was first concerned for me and for you. And See, he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. He was so concerned for you that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to go to the cross for you. So God's love, God's love for you is the gift of his one and only son, Jesus. God sent Jesus to live, to die, and to rise again for you. Why? Because he loves you. You see, the life of Jesus is not simply just a moral example. A lot of people will read uh, throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and they'll find within the Bible all of these tropes or these moral examples. And so they they see the Bible simply as a a bunch of, of moral lessons. And certainly, within the Bible, there are many, many moral lessons for us to learn and to, uh, and to grow through throughout the Scriptures. And the, the life of Jesus is not just, and, and what he did upon the cross is not just a moral example for us. It certainly is. We ought to follow the moral example of Jesus, but it's so much more than that. Jesus did so much more than provide a way of more living. He gave His very life upon the cross for your eternal benefit. Because He loves you. And the cross is the ultimate expression of God's love for you. His love for me. His love for all of humanity. We love because He first loved us. And and this love is, is more than a feeling... It's more than a feeling of deep affection for another. Love is something that sacrifices for another. You know what love is when there is sacrifice involved. And that's why Jesus came. That's why God sent His one and only Son to sacrifice His life upon the cross for your salvation. So, we love sacrificially for our neighbor because God loves sacrificially for us. The cross is the ultimate expression of God's love. Now, when I teach confirmation, we cover the topic of our sinfulness. We look at the law, we look at both the negative and the positive aspects of the law. And uh, we cover the, the topic of the fact that we are sinners in need of God's grace we'll look at passages like Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 17 in Romans chapter 10 or Romans chapter three, ten 10 through 17 the apostle Paul wrote as it is written there is no one righteous not even one there is no one who understands there is no one who seeks God all have turned away they have together become worthless there is no one who does good not even one their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on, vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. <laughs> so as, as we reflect upon the commandments... We come to the realization that we are sinners. And there's no one righteous. No one righteous. So then, in the confirmation class, when we're done um, teaching about our sinfulness, I ask this question Does God have a high view of us or a low view of us? What do you think? After reading a passage like that, does God have a high view of us or a low view of us? Well, all the students basically answer most of the time by saying, well, obviously he doesn't have a high view of us. We just read this this description of what it means to be a sinner. That's pretty harsh. That's pretty heavy. It's true. So does God have a high view of you or does he have a low view of you? Almost always the answer is God obviously has a low view of us. But then I say no. No. God has the highest view of you and of me and of all of humanity. Think about it. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for people that we just learned about. People like you and I. You know, read some of this. Their throats are open graves. (laughs) The poison of vipers is on their lips. Ruin and misery mark their way? <laughs> he has the highest view of humanity. Even though we are sinners, He loves us. He loves you so much that He sacrificed His one and only Son. I chronically disobey His commandments. I have failed to do what is right, and I have done what is wrong. I'm guilty of, the, of, of every sin you can think of. Yet God sent His one and only Son to take my place upon the cross. Jesus, the sinless Savior, suffered a sinner's death in my place so that I can be free of the judgment that I deserve. If you haven't heard it lately, you haven't heard it today, you need to hear it. God loves you. He loves you. Doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. This list of sins in Romans chapter 3, it's true of me. It's true of you. Yet He loves us. You haven't heard it today. God loves you. Every day you need to hear that. We need to hear that every day because every day we forget it. We forget it. We look at our lives. We look at our failure. We look at our inconsistencies. We look at the life that we've been leading and we think, how could God love me? He loves you. And this is why we're a gospel preaching church. The gospel is that good news of God's love given in his son Jesus Christ his life his death his resurrection for your salvation again it doesn't matter where you've been doesn't matter what you've done God loves you and when you know your love so much that God sent his one only son it sets your life in a new direction it's the love of Jesus that sets our life in a new direction. Then we can say yes. We can say yes to Romans thirteen, thirteen through 14. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery. What is debauchery? It's like that stereotypical rock and roll lifestyle (laughs) not in dissension and jealousy but rather clothe yourselves Mm, there's a promise there too we can be clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh Amen. Our lives are lived by denying our sinful desires and embracing God's path, His way, His truth for our lives. And we do this because we're free in Christ. We're free in the gospel. We're free in His love. So... I ask this question, who do you need to sacrifice your comfort or convenience for today? Who do you need to love today? Who needs your love? Who has the Lord brought into your life? How is the Lord working in your life today? And then I ask the question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Think about that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give to you thanks and we give to you praise. You love us so much. You sent Jesus. By his death and by his resurrection, we stand before you forgiven, clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. When you look at us, you don't see our sin. And we thank you, Lord, that you have now enabled us by your Holy Spirit to live in you, to live through your strength and power for the benefit of our neighbor. I pray that you would bring to our minds today those people in our lives that need our love. I ask in Jesus' name that you would teach us and show us by your Holy Spirit how we can give that love to others. That we would not only avoid the evil that we know that we're to avoid, but that we would do the good that we're called to do. And it's only in the power of your Holy Spirit that we can do this. So fill your church today. And as we leave this place, after receiving your Sabbath,